and welcome back to Paleo Party. We're in between seasons here, but while we're busy behind the scenes, we've put together some little bite-sized episodes to keep the party going. In these Paleo Party shorts, we'll be chatting to an amazing group of fossilologists and asking them to tell us a little bit about their favourite fossils. We have an amazing selection of ancient beasts that we're going to be talking about, and most of them are really obscure. So make sure you head over to our website, www.paleoparty.weebly.com, where you can find out lots of information and even photos of the critters that we're going to be chatting about. Anywho, let's get this party started and meet today's guest. Hi, my name is Dr. Ellen Coombs. I have just finished my PhD looking at drivers of cetacean, so whale, dolphin and porpoise diversity uh, from the past to present. So lots of nice fossil stuff in there. Uh, that was at UCL and the Natural History Museum. And I'm now in that kind of tr- transitionary period between finishing one job and starting the next. Uh, and I'll be starting at Smithsonian in Washington, DC on my postdoc in January next year. What is your favorite fossil? Uh, one of my favorite questions, that is. <laughs> How long have we got? Um, my favorite fossil is, surprise, surprise, a cetacean fossil. Um, so it is Synthiocetus peruvianus. Um, this is an archaeocete, so a very early basal stem whale, uh, which sits in the family Bacillosauridae. Um, and yeah, it's about 38 to 33 million years old. And yeah, I was captivated by it the moment I saw it. <laughs> Okay, so there was a lot of long, scary words in there, which I don't think I understand. So let's break it down a little bit. What yeah. What is a cetacean? Yeah, so a cetacean is the kind of um, group name for whales, dolphins and porpoises. Um, and this includes all of the ones that are alive today. So the extant species that we know, like blue whales, killer whales, uh, bottlenose dolphins, all of those lovely charismatic species. Uh, and it also includes the ancestors as well. So those that, are, that we now know from the fossil record, um, all the way through to the earliest basal or stem whales, so the earliest whales that we know, um, which, are, which are called archaeocetes. Um, and these guys lived about 50 million years ago. Um, so it's quite a nice long fossil record for cetaceans. Um, so tell me a little bit about your favourite fossil. Um, why, well, can you describe it first? What kind of like creature is it? What did it look like? Uh, and what kind of things was it up to? Yeah, um, so a bizarre looking creature. I don't know if people will be busy Googling the name while I'm talking about it. So it's Synthiocetus peruvianus. Um, when you take a look at it, you can tell it was a predator. Um, it has this really lovely elongated skull with um, some crazy teeth in there. It's got um, t- like a terrifying looking skull, I think. Um, and one of the things I really like about the skull is that it has this marked um, movement of the nasals, so the nostrils, they're kind of placed halfway up the skull, which is kind of weird because if you think of whales today, they have their nostrils on the top of the head, it's called the blowhole. Um, but the earliest whales actually looked um, more like a wolf. So they had their nostrils at the tip of the snout. And the really nice thing about Bacillosaurids, like Synthiocetus, uh, is that you can see that those nostrils are starting to migrate back up the head um, to the position that we sit in today. And you can see that really nicely on the skull. Um, some other things I really love about it is uh, its teeth. <laughs> it has very cool mol- molars, so the back teeth. Um, they're double rooted, they're absolutely massive. Um, and they have really nice multiple cusps. So they're kind of wavy looking. Um, and then at the front of the mouth, they have canines, which are uh, conical, single rooted, a bit more kind of 
similar to what you'd see in a in a modern uh, dolphin today that kind of shape um but yeah there there's just so many amazing things about how this fossil looks and that I just completely fell in love with when I first saw it um and the skull is probably one of the first things I I really noticed it's just so interesting looking so if I saw this if I saw this creature swimming around like would I recognize it as a whale um so it was fully aquatic okay. um so I think your mind would go towards marine mammal of some type <laughs> um it, yeah, fully aquatic. Um, it had uh, back flukes like a whale has today. Um, it had flippers, forelimbs that are flippers like a whale, similar to a whale would have today. But one of the other things I really love about this fossil um, that would maybe kind of uh, draw you away from thinking it was a whale a little bit is that they actually still had hind limbs. Um, if you look at a picture of Cynthia Cetus, uh, the hind limbs are my absolute favorite thing about it. Uh, they're super tiny. So this this animal was a big animal, probably about 8.5 meters long. Um, nice and big. Well, small in. I'm a, I work with whales, so to me it's pretty small, but <laughs> uh, in uh, fossil terms, it's pretty huge for fossil whales. Um, so yeah, the hind limbs are something I really love. They're absolutely minuscule for this animal. Um, the, the pelvis itself is also greatly reduced, so that's really small. Um, and if you get the chance to look at a photo of this skeleton, you can see that those hind limbs are completely detached from the vertebral column, so from the spine. So very different to um, terrestrial or land mammals. Um, and this tells us some really exciting things about this animal, um, and that is that it was fully aquatic. Um, so it was feeding, breeding and giving birth underwater, which is really cool. It, there's just so much about this fossil that tells you so much about this animal's life. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I just love this idea of this way, like big, angry whale thing with these nubbins, like just, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's per perfectly, like the legs are so perfectly formed. They even still have like little knees and oh. feet. Yeah, it's quite creepy. It but sounds it's one creepy. Of, <laughs> it's one of the things I absolutely love about this fossil. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so um, what was life like um, when this little creature was and its nubbins were swimming around? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so Cynthia Cetus, um, the fossil came from Peru, um, so uh, down near the Pisco Basin. Um, and this animal lived uh, during the Eocene Oligocene transition, so um, about about 38 million, 38 to 33 million years ago. Um, now, when the fossil was found in 1977, uh, it was found in the desert of Peru as we know it today. Very dry, um, kind of the kind of uh, photos and environment you'd imagine of when you when you think of people fossil hunting, you know, um, sun hats, pickaxes, lots of sun cream that kind of thing, <laughs> very deserty. Um, but way back uh, when this animal lived down there in Peru, um, it was probably very shallow seas, warm shallow seas, uh, sandstone and mudstone. That's what it was found, this fossil was found in. Um, lots of pebbles. Um, during this time, sea level would have been dropping rapidly um, as the earth was trans transitioning from a, a nice hot Eocene world to the icy Oligocene world. Um, so there's a lot of change happening at this time. Um, and this particular bacillosaurid was probably sharing its world with uh, some penguins, other birds and crocodiles as well. 
um, and also around uh, the area where this fossil was found, they found some um, fossil late, uh, legume trees. So just to kind of give you a bit of an idea of what this environment looked like then. Wow, that's yeah, super interesting. So it would have been quite quite a nice place to visit, I think. But yeah. I mean, you wouldn't want to be there for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, nice place to visit. Um, but yeah, so, so Cynthia Cetus was, you know, swimming around uh, fully aquatic and pretty much eating everything. Um, so Bacillosaurus are really cool because there's um, some fossils that are similar to Cynthia Cetus that have their stomach contents uh, fossilized. So you get quite a good idea about what these animals ate. Um, and a bit like modern killer whales today, they ate pretty much everything. Really? Um, oh, so yeah. they were like the apex predators of the ecosystem then? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, there's some cool fossils of um, big bacillosaurids, say, say bigger than Cynthia Cetus, but the same, um, the same family. Um, and these guys have actually um, remains of other, other bacillosaurids in their stomach. So they were eating other cetaceans. Um, which is really cool. And I imagine Cynthia Cetus was probably mostly hunting large fish and possibly other tetrapods as well. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't want to get too close. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing about like yeah, killer whales, they kind of freak me out because uh, you know everyone thinks of them in like SeaWorld, which in itself is very cruel and we won't talk about that. But um, <laughs> but then if you met one in the wild, like I would freak out. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I, I'm always like, oh, you know, killer whales are my favourite. But I'll enjoy them from the boat, I think. I, I would yeah. not get into the water with... Probably wouldn't get into the water with any cetacean, to be honest. And really? certainly not any of the fossil... No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> you hear these uh, horror stories of um, humpback whales uh, accidentally engulfing water and swallowing or taking in a, a diver into yeah, their Yeah, I've mouth heard about then... that too. And I was I was a bit traumatised as a kid because I had this book about sharks. I think it was a Dorling Kindersley book. And it had a really graphic series of images of dolphins like ramming uh, sharks from underneath Ooh. and like killing them. And then since then, I was like, I can't really look at them in the same way. Yeah, dolphins are evil as well. I think they're just they're just so smart, you know. I think we just have to respect them from a distance. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this I think like the the fossil of Cynthia Cetus is really cool. It's in the um, Natural History Museum in Paris. But if you if you get the chance to go up and have a look at it when you're walking up to it, that it has they've um, articulated it so its mouth is open, and yeah, that is not something you'd want to come across in there in the ancient oceans because that is a scary looking cetacean. <laughs> um, you've talked you talked a little bit about this museum is in Paris now. Um, how did it get from Peru to Paris, and how was it discovered? Who discovered it? Like, what's the history of the fossil? Yeah, um, so yeah, the, the fossil is now in Paris, so it's a long way from home, from uh, its original home. But So it was discovered in 1977 by Christian de Moison, um, who's one of the authors on the paper who described it. Um, and I think, well, so it was found in 1977, but the paper describing the fossil came out in 2011. Um, so yeah, so, you know, you know, paleontologists, they always have so much work to do. I think this fossil stayed uh, probably in a drawer um, for quite a long time. Obviously, preparation of it takes ages as well, uh, transporting it and all, all of those kind of logistical um, steps you have to get through before you can publish papers on these things. But uh, yeah, so it was uh, yeah found in Peru um, in the desert and yeah, Christian de Moisen brought it back to Paris and that's where it is now. And I, I presume that you've been to see it, seeing as this is your favourite fossil. 
I have. I was honestly, I was blown away with, I actually I was blown away by how big it was and how massive its head is. Um, as I as I say, like the skull is one of my favorite parts of this fossil, just because it's, I mean, this, the whole of this fossil is, is very, is like, pretty much complete as fossils go. You know, there's a couple of, I think there are a couple of um, vertebrae that were missing and maybe part of one of the legs, the small, tiny legs. Uh, but other than that, it was in uh, pretty good condition. Um, so just seeing, you know, such a complete fossil really blew me away. Um, and yeah, I was just completely drawn to the size and kind of how ferocious the skull looks. Um, and then, uh, as you said a moment ago, Thomas, like looking at this amazing predator, this really scary predator, and then you, you know, you cast your eyes back along the vertebrae, and then these tiny little legs, like these kind of pathetic, useless legs hanging down at the back, but couldn't do anything. Um, they were possibly used in kind of uh, mating clasp, like uh, in a modern shark today, say to help with mating, but, you know, they couldn't be used for walking and they couldn't carry any weight. Uh, so, yeah, they're just pretty useless. And I, I just love them because they're so, they just, you know, you know exactly what they are straight away. And you're just like, oh, they're completely out of proportion to this, to the rest of this fossil. They're tiny. They're brilliant. <laughs> Is this fossil scientifically uh, important in terms of like understanding of the of whale evolution and things like that? Absolutely. Um, so this is one of the later archaeocetes, so one of the later kind of um, early whales that we know about, um, and it's a really fantastic link between early whales and, and modern whales as we know them today. Um, and that can be seen in loads of different parts of this of this fossil. Um, one of them is that movement of the nostrils gradually moving up from the tip of the snout to the top of the head. Um, it's beautifully shown in the cetacean fossil record. We're really lucky. There's loads of what we call transitionary fossils along the way, say from the earliest whales to extant whales that we know today. And Cynthiocetus is beautiful because those nostrils are kind of starting to move up the head and you can see that they're just like halfway up the head. Um, so this thing in life would have looked really weird with its nostrils kind of halfway up its head. Um, nothing like we see today, you know, everything's either terrestrial and got its snout, at the, uh, its nostrils at the tip of its snout or it's aquatic, like a, a whale fully aquatic and they've got these nostrils right at the top of the head. Um, so it's a really important transitionary fossil. Um, one of the last bacillosaurus uh, uh, that survived before we, we moved into what we call the neocetes, which is the modern whales, the mysticetes, the baleen whales, and the odontocetes are the toothed whales that we know today. Um, and along with these, these tiny legs that have obviously disappeared in, in modern whales that we know today, um, it, has, it shows this fantastic link between modern whales as we know them and then the earliest whales that had four legs actually and lived on land just like a, a wolf or um, a hippo or something would today um, and the, just this fossil I just love how it shows kind of evolution in in process in like motion um, and it's just fantastic for for many different reasons but the, I think those two the nostrils and the legs are my favorite. Is there anything that you would like to say that we haven't approached on that about the fossil or about your research or anything that you would like to add that we can incorporate? Oh, yeah. Um, ooh, yeah. Um, so one, <laughs> one thing I really love about the family, um, the Bacillosaurids, uh, which Cynthia Cetus uh, sits within is one of them, is one of the, um, is a genus of that family, um, is the name actually Bacillosaurus. Okay. Um, so uh, a lot of uh, listeners will know that, um, 
like Saurus is a kind of a dinosaur or like reptile term. Um, so it's actually come, uh, say so that the, the word Bacillosaurus means king lizard. And in the 1830s, when some of these fossils of uh, Bacillosaurids were found, um, people looked at the, the specimen, the fossil, and saw this really elongated spine. And they thought straight away, oh, that looks like a serpent or like a reptile. Um, and mistook it for exactly that, for a reptile rather than a mammal, um, which whales, including all of the archaeocetes, including Synthiocetus, all are mammals. Um, so yeah, they've kind of plodded along with this uh, incorrect name for nearly 200 years now. Um, and I just love the, you know, they, they looked at this thing and thought it was some crazy eel-like serpent. <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. That's so funny as well. And I guess like because they named it, then that's it. You stick with that name because you choose the first name, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that family name has stuck. Um, and, I've, never, uh, I've heard of like Basilosaurus because I think, is that the really, really big whale, like predatory whale, which is in like every computer game as the bad guy ever? <laughs> and Yeah, like the, the long like eel guy. Yeah. They are like very elongated. They do look weird. <laughs> and I've never, it's never occurred to me that it has Saurus at the end. Yeah. Oh yeah, my goodness. True. I feel like such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, that's, uh, it's, it's kept the name saying, so yeah, maybe it should be like Bacillocetus or something instead. But oh, yeah. it's too it's too difficult to change now. It's uh, it's stuck in the brain. Uh, and I, I quite like the history, like there, you know, we all get things wrong. <laughs> I got, uh, you know, it's a, yeah, a normal process of like science is uh, getting things wrong and and you know learning what what should be right and apparently we thought this was a reptile. <laughs> that's crazy, and that's a good story. I like that. That's like a really good like pub quiz question. Like which <laughs> yeah. which which group of animals was named after lizards, but actually turned out to be whales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a good one. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'll include this in the podcast, but this is a random aside. But do you know the um, in, uh, I'm sure you probably already know this, um, but in Star Wars, you know, um, in the f in the New Hope, when they're on the desert, and uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO are like walking through the desert, there's like a big skeleton in the background, and apparently that's based on Basilosaurus uh, skeletons from like Egypt. Yes. Isn't that yes. wild? It's so cool. It's so cool. So basically, um, your research is in Star Wars. That's crazy. I mean, that's like two of my favorite things: <laughs> whales and Star Wars. Like, you know, you can't go, can't, you can't get much better than that, can you? Yeah. It's like that's ultimate, ultimate. But yeah, they're really cool. And you know, from from those um, those skeletons in Star Wars, you can see just how long these animals were. Like how. They were very elongate and very eel-like, and mm. you can see where the mistake came from. And yeah, I just love the, that um, location in Egypt is included in Star Wars. <laughs> That's mental. So good. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. No problem. Thank you for having me. You're always, very welcome. Uh, always a pleasure. Hi everyone, thank you so much for listening in, but we need to ask you for a quick favour. We want Paleo Party to reach as many people as possible, so to help boost the algorithm, we're asking you if you could give us a rating, or maybe even a review on your podcasting app to help us spread the word. And if you write us a nice review, you can treat yourself to one Paleo Party point on us. Big thank you to our guests this week, and stay tuned as there are more Paleo Party shorts on the way. Remember, you can find details about the fossil on our website at www.paleoparty.weebly.com.
Paleo Party is an interactive podcast created by Thomas Clements, Christopher Dean and Emma Dunn. This series of Paleo Party Shorts is sponsored by a Paleontological Society Outreach and Education Grant. Our intro music is Voxel Revolution by Kevin McLeod.